This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building. At LeBanks, St Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. wants you to know today. He's never going to forsake the righteous. Can you say amen? And he's ever merciful, ever merciful, never stops being merciful. Amen? Lord, we just thank you today for this sense today that you're a merciful God. And we just give and we just bless you today in all that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So we're just going to take our tithes and offerings. Let's stop off. I was good. I was doing good. I was enjoying that, actually. <laughs> okay, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, John chapter 14. Well-known verses, often uh, well-known verses. I want, I want to speak about living a life of being untroubled. What a challenge. A life of being untroubled. I, I just felt this morning that maybe there's people here this morning, and you've had some disturbing news. You've had some news that's troubled you, and affected you and you feel troubled by some news that's come. I just felt my heart that someone has some news that has troubled them. And, and I just feel these are the words of Jesus to you this morning. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. If we want to go down to verse 27 of that same chapter. Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I don't feel those are just incredibly powerful words. And you would say to the person next to you, don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> because I have to, you know, because the truth is there's so much out there that's there to, to try to trouble us. So many people full of worry and trouble and anxiety. And Jesus simply says those words, let not your heart be what? Troubled. He didn't say you're not going to have trouble. Is that right? Everybody would say amen to that. He didn't say you're going to have any distress. He didn't say you're going to have any pressures or difficulties. But what he did say, he said, don't allow the problems, the challenges, the circumstances to affect your heart, to affect you, to have power over you. Let not your heart be troubled. You think about this. When Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, he's speaking to disciples. And these disciples now are going to have incredible conflict. Is that true? Jesus is about to be crucified. They're about to be persecuted. They're about, Peter's about to deny Jesus. They're about to go through incredible conflict and challenge. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, listen, even though you're about to face incredible conflict and challenge, don't let your heart, what, be troubled. Just don't let these things get such a grip of your heart, such a grip of your life, that you live with this continual perpetual sense of trouble. You know what the word trouble means? Here in the Greek, it means to take away calmness, to make the mind restless, to stir up, to bring someone into a place of fear and dread, to cause commotion of mind, to perplex the mind with doubt. That's what the word trouble means. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, down allow those things to cause you to live a life with frantic indecision, going back and forth, trust and distrust. Jesus says, trust in me and trust in my Father. Isn't that awesome? And that word trust there means to be focused. Unwavering faith. In other words, your heart is so set, <clears throat> your heart is totally un- unmovable, that no matter what happens... You're saying, God, I trust you. I'm trusting you. I'm in a place that's going to be unmovable and I'm not going to move from that place of trust. Amen? Nothing is going to shake me. Nothing is going to cause me to move away. My heart is set on trusting the Father and trusting God no matter what. Can you say amen? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Now Jesus says, in my Father's house, there are lots of rooms. Now often we use that for funerals. I've used it myself. But it just doesn't necessarily just mean funerals. I only realise that. He's actually talking about, the, in a sense, the, the here and now. 
It's a picture, you know what they used to do in those days? In those days, they used to sort of, they would, if, you, if, if their children were getting married, there's a good one, parents, if your children were getting married, you would build an extension onto your house. Isn't that awesome? That's what you do. You'd build an extension onto your house and say, look, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen, where you're going to live. You're not going to be kind of left on the streets. We will build an extension, a place, a dwelling place for you to be. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you don't have to worry because I'm going to prepare a place. There's a room for you. A room, a place. You don't have to a dwelling place. I'm going to cause you to have a dwelling place right here and now. A room of peace. A room for provision. A room for strength. A room for mobility. I'm preparing a place for you. A place where you can dwell. I love this sense. It's a place of immunity. In other words, when you dwell in this place that Jesus prepared for you, it's an immunity. No matter what comes against you, what attacks, what things attack your life, there's a sense of peace there. There's immunity. There's a protection. Those who dwell in the secret place where of the Most High. That's where there's protection. That's where there's this place of immunity. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to conquer sin and death. I'm going to make a place for you in my Father's house. It's going to be a the most untroubled place that you've ever lived in. How many likes that kind of place? The most untroubled place that you've ever lived in. No need to be troubled. No need to be worried. You can be a rested person. Untroubled. No matter what life throws at you. Because that's what the cross does. It prepares a place for you to be at rest and untroubled. Can you say amen? I really love that. And he says, let not. You notice those words, let not. In other words, there's the potential to be troubled. Isn't that true? There's, the potential is to be troubled, but he says, don't let it happen. Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, you and I are masters of our own thoughts. He was saying, you don't need to let your heart be troubled. You don't have to have it happen. No matter what comes your way, don't let it happen. You don't have to let it happen. He says, let not your heart. I was thinking maybe reasons why we do get troubled. Why do we get troubled? What happens? What's the reason that we allow our hearts to be troubled? Here's the first thing. It starts with us and the thoughts we entertain. The thoughts we allow, the thoughts we entertain, the thoughts that we rehearse over and over again as the potential to trouble you. And you and I have control over our thoughts. We have control over those thoughts that want to bring worry and anxiety and trouble. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? He's saying, 
Why do you allow all this debating and all these thoughts to trouble your mind and trouble your heart? Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Say as you are. I've learned a simple truth. Hell is troubled when I'm untroubled. <laughs> and our real job is not for the devil to trouble us. Our job should be to trouble the devil. Is that true? That's our job. We are, we are there to, if you like, to, to bring about, to invest and bring about the victory of the cross. To reinforce the victory of Jesus. Can you say amen? And so we're stewards of our hearts. What we allow into our hearts. What thoughts, what, what things would seek to trouble us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. Again, some well-known verses. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments, every high thing would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish all disobedience, and when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, we're to take captive the thoughts that want to sweep into our heart. You know, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is something that's got a hold on you, a stronghold on your life. How do people in their lives have strongholds? Where do the strongholds begin? How does something have such a grip and such power over us it overwhelms us and controls us and dictates to, to what we do and how we respond and how we live our lives. How does that happen? A stronghold began with a thought. And as we began to receive that thought, it went down into our hearts. And the enemy began to put another thought and another thought and another thought until we know where we are. We're held by it. We're held and controlled People can have strongholds of rejection. People can have strongholds of fear. Strongholds of inferiority. And all those strongholds are a result of the enemy planting thoughts. And Jesus tells us what to do. He says, take those thoughts captive. I take those thoughts. I remember once being troubled, big time, by thought of timidity. I was struggling. I was mad being, I had such a stronghold of that in my life. I remember being really, that thing holding me. And what I decided to do was to take those thoughts of timidity and say, Jesus, would you please take them off to prison? Lock the door and don't allow them to affect me anymore. And I think we can do that with all kinds of things. Thoughts of fear. Thoughts of inferiority. Thoughts of condemnation. Just say, Jesus, I give those thoughts to you. Would you take those thoughts to prison and cause them to be locked up there? Amen. There are times when the thoughts try to speak to me through the prison door. But every time those thoughts come, I say, Jesus, take those thoughts captive. Hold them, take them into prison, and break their power to 
hold me. I just love the fact that, that what Jesus wants to do, he wants to demolish those thoughts. Those thoughts that would trouble and, and affect us and damage us. He wants to take them out of your life. I get this sense that he just comes and he takes, he, the Bible says he takes the axe to the root. He cuts out the very root of those things. So all the, those things that would trouble and disturb you. Jesus comes to take the thoughts captive. Can you say amen? It says about there, it says, arguments. And the word arguments there is the word speculation. I see people, you speculate, we speculate things. That's the great trick of the enemy, to cause you to speculate. And the thing about speculation is this, a speculation never has a conclusion. You notice that? You never have a conclusion. When you speculate over something, there's never a conclusion to your speculation. And we speculate all kinds of things. We speculate about people. I know why they said that. I know why they're thinking that. I know why they're doing that. Really? And so we speculate. And we, because we speculate of why they said it, why they did it, whatever, whatever, before you know where we are, we've got all kinds of strongholds and attitudes to somebody. Out of a speculation that never had what a conclusion. We speculate about ourselves. That's what the enemy likes you to do. To speculate about yourself. So you speculate. Why do I feel so unworthy? And you begin to feel bad about yourself. You begin to see your unworthiness. You begin to focus on all the negative things in your life. And the more you speculate, the more you find out about yourself. But I've learned this. So I learn to identify with who Jesus says I am. That's my identity. That's who I am. You know, I love to think it this way. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to take you on? On a treasure hunt. How many have ever been on a treasure hunt? And what you do with a treasure hunt is this. You begin to look at the treasure that God has put in you. And you begin to look at the treasure that God has put in other people. You go treasure hunting. Now what the devil likes to do, he wants you to dig the dirt. God wants you to dig for treasure. And the devil wants you to dig the dirt on people. Dig the dirt on yourself. Rather than beginning to look for the treasure. The Bible says that this flesh... It's just flesh, but within us, how many realize there's a great treasure within us? Begin to see the treasure within. And begin to see the treasure in people. Refuse to live a life of speculation. Cast down speculation. And he goes on to say lofty things. What are lofty things? Attitudes, things that make God bigger. That try to make your problems bigger than God. Circumstances. And often our hearts are troubled because we see the problem, because we see the difficulty, because we see the challenge bigger than God. That's why the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me. What's that? Make God bigger. Enlarge him. You can't make God bigger, but you can enlarge him in your mind and your heart. Magnify, enlarge, make God bigger. 
Make God bigger in your attitudes, in your thought life. Don't magnify the problem, but guess what? Magnify the Lord. Can you say amen? Look at 1 John 4. One John four, verse eighteen. So we look for verse seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, and we love that one, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I want to see something. I think there's a lot of people that live in such incredible fear and torment because the love of God has never really gripped their hearts and lives. And we're often troubled. And the word torment, interesting enough there, can actually mean judgment. There is no judgment. A lot of people live with judgment. You know what I mean? That when they mess up, when they fail, it's often this sense, somewhere now I've got to judge myself for that. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to spend time with God. I've got to be punished. Somewhere, and often people live with a, a kind of punishment attitude. They are constantly feeling that they've got to be punished over something in their lives. And if they don't punish themselves, the other danger is we begin to judge. We begin to, if you like, begin to do it to others by blaming them. We begin to blame other people. We begin to punish other people because of maybe things that happen to us. And we're looking to blame someone. We're looking to punish them. And the Bible says it's under the love of God that begins to lift from us this punishment. People looking to kind of sabotage their lives, punish themselves in some way, rather than seeing how many are glad they're on the cross that Jesus took your punishment. The justice of God was made complete. He took our punishment. He took the punishment that was ours. How many are glad about that? Because of Jesus, that we no longer have to live under a life of punishment. You don't have to go to trouble land. I'm glad you can go to the cross. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It overcomes the accuser by removing the very basis of the accusation. His peace silenced the storms of our punishment that was laid upon Jesus. He paid it all. He brought us to a place well, we don't have to be troubled anymore. I'm glad about that. We can be free from speculation. We can be free from a lofty thinking. Look at Ephesians 3. <clears throat> As I said before, this perfect love. I think one of the reasons often we're troubled and because we, we haven't really got confidence in God's love for us. And the more confidence you have in God's love for you, the less troubled life you're going to live. I, I really believe, I think it, there, there is potential 
to live an untroubled life. Isn't that awesome? I tell you, there's potential there to do it. If we really allow the word of God to work in our hearts. Ephesians 3, verse 11. Sorry, verse 19. There's this great prayer of Paul's. All focused on the love of God. It's such a powerful prayer. I pray this prayer regularly in my life. I think it's such a powerful prayer. I pray for the church. I pray for myself. Look at verse 19. It says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That word there, it says passes knowledge, means to surpass. This love of God cannot be understood. How can, it, how can he love me so much when I've so messed up? You see, it's not just about understanding the love of God. It's about experiencing the love of God. And if we're to live untroubled lives, we need lives that are so confident in God's love for us. Look at verse 17 there. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And you see the word rooted is a powerful term. It's a picture of a tree. And the strength of a tree, where is it? It's in its roots. The deeper the roots, the more stable and the more secure the tree is. A tree's strength really is not even measured by its height. It's measured by its roots. How far, how deep the roots are. And Paul says, I pray that your roots of your inner being may go deep into the love of God. And that, as those roots go deep into the love of God, you become strong, you become secure, you become confident. And no matter what is going on, you're confident you're loved by God. No matter what challenges, what difficulties, what's going on, there's a confidence in you. I am loved by God and God is going to turn it around to work on my behalf. I'm rooted, secure, strong in the love of God. And he uses the word grounded. I'm grounded. That's the strength of any building. The building strength is in its foundation. I remember when we were in Birmingham, years ago, in Birmingham, we used to, I used to look at this building and, and for, for, it seemed months, even years, nothing seemed to, nothing moved. And for, for years or months, wherever it was, they were digging deep. And I thought, nothing's happened to that building. But suddenly, that building went up in a matter of months. Once the foundation was laid. And that is true of our lives. The moment there's a foundation of the love of God in our lives, then we can build. If the foundation and confidence in God's love is not established in our hearts, we're never going to stand strong. We're always going to be overwhelmed, overcome, troubled, disturbed, because we've not really built that, built that, built that secure foundation that's built on this simple truth I am loved by God. I am loved and appreciated. My worth is not what anybody else says, but my worth is found in the fact that I am loved by God. Can you say amen? 
Look, it says in, I think it's verse 18 there. It says that you may be able to comprehend. And the word comprehend means apprehend. Have you been apprehended? Come with me, son. That sense of apprehend. Apprehend. I don't know where those words come from. But, you know, the word apprehend. And that word apprehend means to, to, to take, to grab hold of. I've this before. Many, many years ago, when I was young, I was young, but now I'm old. But when I was young, I remember sort of, I was in a cricket match. I, 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 I kind of like playing cricket. I like the batting, like the bowling. The most boring thing in the world was the, was the fielding. I only hated the fielding men, you know, right? It was, the fielding was, and it was, I remember just sitting there, it's just so boring. And, and suddenly I could hear all, right, all this shouting going on. And suddenly when I looked up, I could see a ball coming towards me. And suddenly the pressure's on now. That's pressure. You know, everybody's screaming, you know, you can just feel the pressure big time. And I remember just kind of grabbing hold of that ball and apprehending it. Amen? I thank so good over that. The point is, that's with the love of God. We've got to apprehend it, grab a hold of it, and refuse to ever let it go. Hold it, apprehend it, take hold of it, and never, ever let it go. You know, I'm finding more and more But I think that everything that's in this word, God wants us to live in its power and to experience it. Can you say amen? You know, both both Hebrew and Greek, knowing is not just about concepts, as good as that is, it's also about, about experiencing it. And a lot of people have great concepts, but so little experience of it. And God doesn't want for us to live in the concept of things. He wants us to live in the reality of it. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to live in the power of it. And the love of God isn't just a concept. It's something we can experience and encounter in our lives. Look what he goes on to say. Again in verse 18. He says that you would apprehend. That you would take into your life, and put that way, What is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height? I love it. In other words, I love so wide, no situation can be affected by his love. I love so deep, that no pit is too deep, that his love can't reach. I'm a reading Carleton Boone. I read that book. Beautiful story there. She talks about when she was in that concentration camp. and She says, like, hell on earth. She says, the worst hell anybody could find themselves into in those concentration camps. People being killed day after day. All the, all the kind of evil that went in that place. And she says this, I discovered in that place there is no pain, no suffering, nothing too dark that the love of God can't reach into. It says, even in that concentration camp, it says the love of God was able to reach into the depth of it. The love of God is so deep. It sustains us in anything that we can face in life. It says, love, it says, the, the, how long it is. No end, no circumstance can cause it to end. The Bible says we're loved with an everlasting love. It's a love that never gives up. It's a love so high. 
It reaches into heaven and declares who you are from heaven's perspective. And I think we need to constantly, continually dwell on this wonderful sense, I'm loved by God. And if that is rooted and grounded in your heart, then all the troubles that the enemy wants to put over your mind and over your heart begins to evaporate in the power of the love of God. Let me give you one last verse. John 17, verse 26. You sometimes wonder what sustained Jesus through all the troubles, all the suffering we went through. John 17, verse 26. And I have declared to them your name, and I declare it that you, the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus said that Jesus sustained his ministry. He lived an untroubled life because he felt the continual love of the Father. He went through what he went through because he was sustained on the inside with a confidence and knowledge of the Father's love for him. How can you overcome disappointment? How do you overcome setbacks and troubles? Unless you're, un- unless you're sustained on the inside. And Jesus said the same love that sent him to the cross will be the same love that would be in you. He says, so will we be compelled to do things that we've never done before because the love of God is just so burning in our hearts. And I believe the more of that love is burning in us, the less troubled we're going to be in life. What a great way to live life, untroubled. Isn't that awesome? To live a life that's no longer constantly overwhelmed with stress and worry, anxiety, discouragement, depression, but a life that's untroubled. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You now are, are troubling the enemy. You're now you're the one that's causing the trouble rather than the trouble affecting you. Can you say amen? Say to the person next to you, let not your heart be troubled. Just say to someone right now, I'll say to him, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> and I want you to let that sense into your heart today. Why am I saying that? Because the world today is full of trouble. Is that true? I don't think there's a continent, there's not a, a place on the face of this earth that's not at this moment in time going through trouble. And people are affected by the trouble they're continually seeing. Is that true? What are they looking for? They're looking for people who are hope-filled. Who are so filled of hope, they are absolutely burning lights because they're untroubled. They are full of hope. They're not troubled by what troubles everybody else. What's the, you know, you think about it. How crazy would it be for us to be troubled what's troubling everybody else? What's the difference? But when we allow these truths to get a hold of us, we become hope-filled people. People come to you sick, you can say, I've got a hope, can I pray for you to be healed? People come to you with all kinds of pressures and problems, you begin to be solutions to people who are so filled with no hope. We become those who fill everybody else. 
You're the one that people feel encouraged about. They like to be around you because you encourage them. They like to be around you because you're full of hope and, and you sustain them, encourage them and bless them and lift them up. That's what God's looking for. Hope-filled people who are untroubled. Can you say amen? Let's stand, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just in a sense of these moments, just put your hand on your heart. And just say to your heart today, heart, you're not going to be troubled anymore. I'm not going to let you be troubled. So I'm going to let the love of Father just fill the whole of my being. Fill with your love. Fill with a love that will not let me go. The love of God that sustains me, strengthens me, empowers me. And we realize his love is greater than anything we face today. And someone here today, maybe you've had troubling news, discouragements. Disappointments. The Lord says to you today, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me and believe also in my Father. Because in my Father's house, there's a place. There's a, 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 there's a, situa- there, there's a place that I've got for you that can bring you peace and strength and love. So Father, today we thank you that Lord today, that we thank you that you're the one that sustains. You're the one that is greater than our trouble. You're the one that is greater than our difficulties and our problems. And we say over our hearts today, let not your heart be troubled. We believe in you today, O oh God. We put our trust, we put our confidence in you. Lord, we lean not to our own understanding, but we lean unto you, O oh God. So pour your grace, pour your strength, pour your power into our lives today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And we just love to pray for you today. If maybe you're here today and you've had some real troubling news and you just would like prayer, you would just like God to just maybe touch you afresh, fill you afresh with his love and, the, and his touch and his move upon your life. Maybe today you've got sickness in your body. We'd love to pray for the Lord to touch your body and to make you whole. So if you need prayer today as we just maybe close with a song today, you just come forward, we'd love to pray for you. If you feel today under anxiety and things that are overwhelming you today, And we'd love to pray the words of the Lord into your life today. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in him. Let him touch you and strengthen you and empower you. Okay, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.